Thanks for listening to Ivy's On Demand webinar. In this session, Lindsay Littman, Associate Director of MBA Recruitment and Admissions, speaks with our MBA 2020 alumni, Catherine Kwan and Phil Gibson, about their experience in our one-year full-time MBA program. My name is Lindsay Littman. I'm one of the Associate Directors of the MBA full-time recruitment and admissions team. I want to thank you for tuning in. Today's conversation really is designed to give you more information from those who've lived the Ivy MBA experience. We have a lot of resources online that offer you to learn more about admissions tips and tricks, how to buy an MBA, even an information session, all available of podcasts and demand webinars on our website. But today's a great opportunity for you to hear from those who've gone through the experience, um, their takeaways, learn through cases, selecting electives, club activity, career management, whatever it may be. So that's why we put this together. The focus is on our one-year full-time MBA program. We have a series of master's programs. So please know that while there are similarities amongst them, tonight's focus will be on the one-year full-time MBA. So know that is the content there. As well, our two alumni today here graduated um, this past March of 2020, which means they were not really part of the, the COVID impact per se during the program. Unfortunately, the last couple of weeks were impacted by it, but their experience during the 90, maybe 7% of the program was not related to COVID. So for any COVID related questions impacting the program, um, this is not the time tonight necessarily to speak to it. Certainly I can address it at a high level, but we actually do have a specific COVID podcast on our website. I do recommend you take a listen to that can speak to the, the future impact of the program due to COVID. Um, and just a reminder, again, please do keep yourselves to mute. You're happy, more than welcome to have your video on, but please do make sure that your audio is muted so we can make sure everyone is heard. We will be taking open Q&A questions at the very end. You can either use the chat box, which I'll moderate, or you can certainly raise your hand, use the raise a hand function on Zoom. Um, hopefully you're all familiar with Zoom by now and the raise a hand feature, but if not, we can certainly help you with that. So with that, I want to um, introduce the two alumni who are graciously extending their day today to uh, share with you their experiences in the Ivy one-year MBA program. We have Phil and Kat, both again graduates from this class in 2020. So Phil, I'm going to kick it off with you, if you don't mind, to introduce yourself, maybe share where you were before joining the MBA program, uh, what your undergraduate degree was, and where you are now. Sure. Uh, so my name is Phil Gibson. I'm, I grew up in Kincardine, Ontario, which is a little small town just north of, of London. So I was kind of one of the, the local members of our cohort. Uh, I had been working in automotive sector and the defense sector as uh, an engineering specialist doing some design work and then moved into business development before I came into school. And for the most part, the MBA really was a focus for me on transitioning into consulting. And I was fortunate enough to land with a, a company that I'm really excited about. I start in a little over two weeks uh, with Bain and company in Toronto. So I'm really looking forward to getting started and seeing where this MBA really uh, ended up taking me. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Yeah, you're up your vacation and head into Bain. So that's, exactly. a, that's a pretty good timing. I like that. Uh, Kat, over to you, please. Yeah, so I um, grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and actually did my undergrad also in business uh, in finance and information systems. That basically set myself up for a lifetime um, for the first half of my career in software consulting, um, traveling across North America and Australia doing that. Um, wanted to move a little further up and work on a bit more strategy work, uh, which is what really brought me to the MBA and post MBA in a little over a month, I'll be starting as a senior consultant at Deloitte. Awesome. Great. 
both going to the consulting front. Normally, it is definitely a popular um, interest for all of our MBA students, but know that for those tuning in, it's not the only career option you have coming into our program. There's a lot of options, but consulting certainly is one of the more um, sought after areas and one of the reasons why many do pursue their MBA. So thinking about the MBA, a career reasoning is along, you know, the major reasons for that. Um, other than the career side of it, you know, were there other factors of the MBA that you thought would help you out as a professional, like certain skills you were looking to improve upon? Can either one of you speak to that? Yeah, I, I, I don't mind speaking to that. Um, I, I think when you look at an MBA from a, a high level, you think, okay, finance, accounting, marketing, some of the, the core tools that you need to be a good business practitioner, but a program and especially a program like Ivy just develops so many more skills than that. When you sit in a class and you share your opinions with case-based learning and are challenged by classmates, challenged by professors, it, it teaches you public speaking skills, skills. It teaches you confidence. It teaches you, you know, the, the, the necessity of being prepared. There's all these other like subverted skills that you, you need to learn in order to be successful in the MBA program. And I don't know that I explicitly realized that when I was coming into it, but all those are, are really, really valid reasons of why you might want to go and do an MBA beyond just, you know, I'm going to learn what a debit is and what a credit is and understand, right. you know, sort of finance and, and business type topics. Yeah, it's a good point. It's more just the foundations of the curriculum that you'll learn out of it. And a lot of those sort of softer skills come through what we call the leadership essentials, which we'll get to later on in this conversation. Now, Kat, when you were thinking about the MBA, were, had you narrowed down to a certain number of schools? Like, how did you go about deciding which schools to either apply for? And then ultimately, how did you decide on Ivy? So I had a very, a bit of a different journey um, in that I, I joke that I kind of serendipitously fell into the MBA program. Um, I had met one of the recruiters, uh, Julia, at, um, at one of the MBA recruiting events, and that kind of set the gears in motion for wanting to actually do um, an MBA and pursue it in the time frame I did. Uh, I really only picked two schools based on two futures that I potentially wanted, one in consulting and one possibly working for the Lakers Basketball Association in front of house. So I picked Ivy and UCLA Anderson mm. and I think just after doing the class um, on the road, as well as flying out and visiting Ivy and actually sitting through the case space, it was a no brainer. It was it was the choice for me, given the type of learning that I wanted, um, as well as kind of the experience that I was actually hoping to get out of um, really going back to school for more business education. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I, I... I uh, love that you were looking at us in UCLA. That is uh, not often the, the comparator. Normally it's like us or Queens or Rotman. So uh, that's that's a cool story that I wasn't, wasn't quite aware of that. But you did note on something that's a great segue to the next topic that I really wanted to get both of your perspectives on, which you know, the, the case methodology really is our key differentiator amongst, I mean, a lot of all schools in Canada, but also even some I mean, globally, there are only a handful in the world that, that educates through this manner. Um, so adjusting to case method, I mean, you know, Kat, you mentioned you went to a mock class, you got a bit of a taste for it to get an idea of this is what I, I want to or I thrive in the environment. What would you say was uh, most surprising to you with learning through cases through, through the program once you were in it? Uh, was it more challenging than you expected? Did it require more work or just overall, how did you adjust to it? Um, I would say it was definitely a it's, I think it can be challenging. Um, mind you, I feel like the shift in the first little bit of Ivy is challenging with just the volume, which is mm -hmm. what they do preemptively warn us about. Mm -hmm. um, but I would probably say that like from a, from a learning experience, the one thing that I noted about 
you know, reflecting back, the one thing that I would note about the case-based method is you get a lot more depth um, in the actual learning. Like you really get to dive into probably certain industries, um, you know, coming from a technology background. I knew nothing about the automotive industry and I learned a a ton about it through doing the case-based method that I don't think a regular curriculum class, at least definitely not in the undergrad experience. And I don't think at the MBA level I would have gotten. Um, And in terms of like the amount of prep work, it's a very different kind of prep work that I think matches and is more aligned with the practical kind of stuff we would be doing at a management level. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of coming back to Phil's sentiments, like, yeah, you do learn debits and credits, but at the level that we're expected to come out to, that's probably not what we're doing. Um, And I've noticed kind of as I've come back out and started working in that that definitely is reflected in like what I'm actually doing at work now. Which is actually that you took away one of my questions, which is great, was about do you see how cases impact your work now, which absolutely it does. Now, Phil, you know, part of, I think, say the beauty of the recruiting that we do for the MBA program is who we bring into the classroom. Uh, people from all walks of life, those from Vancouver, those from Concarta, and those from, you know, Nigeria, Lima, um, Philippines, whatever. Did you find that, like, were you surprised by the diversity in the classroom in terms of not just geography, but also work experience? I don't think I was surprised by it. I, I kind of had an expectation coming into this that it wasn't going to be a bunch of engineers from small towns right. in Ontario, right? Right. <laughs> I, I think I, I, my expectations were definitely met. What I was surprised about was how much you're able to draw from all those people that have those different backgrounds. I, I had done my undergrad at Western and had to take an IB uh, managed course for engineering. And so I sort of had a feel for what the, the case-based learning is like, but that course is very much the, the professor guiding the discussion and doing a lot of the teaching. Uh, but then you realize when you get in this MBA program and you have all these people from different places around the world, different backgrounds, different uh, undergrads, different work experience, and they all have so much to share that the, the amount of learning that you get from another 70 people plus your professor is mm-hmm. just exponentially greater than what you could get just listening to one person standing at the front teaching you a set of concepts. And, and if I could give an example, we did a case that was was on uh, RBI, so Restaurant Brands International, which is a, the company that owns Tim Hortons essentially. And we had a, a female in our, in our, or a woman in our class who was, uh, she had worked there during the period that the case was written. And our professor basically said at the end of the case, hey, let's turn it over to so-and-so. And she worked there. Let's, you know, she said a few words and then basically took Q&A for 20 minutes. And we were able to actually ask her. It was all about this company coming in and changing the culture. And we were about able to ask her, like, what was it like being there? And how did people receive it? How did you receive it? How did you interact with your colleagues? And, and like, you, don't, you just don't get that kind of learning from a, a professor standing at the, the blackboard, you know, writing things down and, and teaching to you rather than, drawing all that information from all these diverse people. That's a great point. And that's actually not the first time where faculty pull on those in the classroom based on their own experiences. Like maybe they weren't involved in a case at that time at an employer, but they, the faculty know your backgrounds very well. So they they might call and you say, Hey, you know, you bring, you know, this certain background that we're going to talk about. Let's, let's talk about this in the classroom, bring in your perspectives, whether it's family business or engineering or whatever it may be. So yeah, the definitely the fact that can prepare and you're right. The learnings from that situation would be, I mean, much greater than what you get from a different environment. Now I know we're asked this question a lot, so I'm sure you two both as alumni are asked as well. How do you describe a case method class? I don't know if I've ever been asked that actually. Really? Oh <laughs> no. my gosh. Oh my, I guess we, I know we're, our team has asked a lot that question. So, so go ahead and gone through it now. How would you articulate to someone without going obviously into to great depths, but how do you give them a high level understanding of what to expect 
in a case method class. Do you want to take this one, Kat, or do you want me to? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about what's the best way to actually say this. Because same, like, I actually don't think anyone's really, really asked me to reflect on this. Um, Maybe they start with us first, and then when they go to you guys, they ask you different questions. I'd say, I'd say it's, it's a, a professor-guided discussion that's infused with a lecture. So uh, there are points where the professor will say, okay, let, let me just explain this to you. And they'll go to the board and they'll spend 10 minutes going through a concept or uh, you know, helping understand, helping us understand those base principles. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's it's a guided discussion walking through the the case as if you had a manager in your business, and the manager is you know we are all together in a in a group huddle in the room, and you've got a problem you're trying to solve, and you're walking through it together. So they're they're facilitating the discussion, they're facilitating yeah. the learning, but they're not necessarily um, you know forcing it on you. They're they're just helping it it uh, be pulled out from all the people in the class. And then they're also, they don't let it run wild either. They'll, they'll guide the discussion back in the direction that it should be so that you get the learning objectives that, that are associated with whatever that case or that class might be. No, that's well, that's well done. We, we often use the analogy of like a conductor to an orchestra. So a little bit of, again, that facilitation piece at the front, but guiding and then pulling it out and questioning and probing. Um, and then, of course, there, are the, there is part of the study team work that is involved with the case methodology classes as well. So um, the, during the one year, what's really clear to, to make a note of is through it all, really, it, you are educated through cases, whether you call it experiential learning, uh, there's many ways of looking at it, but it is really an interactive, um, collaborative conversation throughout the one year, whether you're core or through the elective timeframe. Um, so when during the core time, you're in your classes from March until the end of August, a pretty set structured schedule of Monday to Friday, roughly 30 a.m. to about 1 p.m. Um, and you are assigned into learning teams. And so for learning teams, basically every two months within your section, you are mixed up and put with other individuals in the classroom, likely from different backgrounds of both your undergraduate and even um, where you've lived, just to help again, we're trying to maximize your learning from those in the classroom. And so purposely we, we do select your learning teams for you, but the learning teams do help with your preparation for the classroom discussion. So um, Kat or Phil, can you speak to your learning team experiences? Whether uh, I, I always hear that your learning team number one is the one that you, that you just that sticks with you for life, so to speak. <laughs> Did you each have that experience? I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Like they always say, you never forget your first. Yeah. You're <laughs> probably always going to be friends, if not like super close friends with your first um, learning team. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, the, the intention of it is to not, um, to not have it where you actually um, all agree. You have it where the learning there is for support. So again, learning from each other, um, looking at a case and saying, hey, here's what I took away from it. What did you take away from it? It's not that you have to all, you know, agree on how to move forward with, with a case, but it is a part of the case prep for class. So there's your own individual prep that you do with the homework. You work with your learning team, and then, of course, you go to class, and you have a full-fledged uh, conversation. Um, but, the, yeah, the schedule is pretty – the pretty it's pretty set that way. Um, the first three months, we say, are the most intense. Um, usually by that first break week in June, everyone's about ready to, to call it quits and crack, and then, then the break week comes. And it's like, okay, we can do this. Um, it is intentional that way because we do want you to kind of get in and go hard. There is the analogy, and maybe you've both heard this, where it's like drinking from a fire hose. Um, that it's just everything is coming at you um, in the beginning. We really want to sort of adjust and mold you into that. Now, during the core as well, we've got career management in the classroom. They teach career-specific um, courses as well as help with shaping your narrative. 
and offering different types of events, um, like mock networking events and help get ready for um, recruiting with an event called Get Connected. Um, do either one of you want to speak to sort of the, the career programming during the first core, the first six months in terms of career management with their Get Connected event um, or with those mock resources that they provide outside the classroom? Yeah, I found career management services wildly, wildly helpful in my pursuit of trying to make this transition into consulting. And I think a misconception that a lot of people have, not necessarily, I don't, even, I don't think it's its unique to Ivy. I've, I've got lots of friends that have done MBA programs at, at other schools as well. But a lot of people think, okay, you've come, you've overcome this milestone. You wrote your GMAT. You got into one of the best schools in Canada. I made it. You know, here I am. Let me know when my interviews are with all these top tier companies. But they don't realize that there's a lot of personal work that goes into preparing yourself and helping yourself stand out to, to get opportunities with, with the types of companies and industries that you're interested in. So I think what career management does a great job of is they provide you with every possible resource you could need well beyond anything that you can get from YouTube or Google or whatever, you know, free resources you think you can find online. They have so much available for you and they try their best to help guide you to what might be useful to you. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's up to you to take that catalog of resources and decide what's going to best prepare me and how do I put them together. And then career management is, is there with you the whole way through where you can spitball and bounce ideas off them and say, I'm really working with this resource. I don't find it that helpful. What have you seen in the past? What have other people used successfully? And that's how they guide you through the process. I don't, I don't think it matters what school you go to. There's not going to be a school where you walk in and, and you know, along with your admissions package, you get your dates for your McKinsey interview or whatever, right? <laughs> that, that's just not how it works. So career management at, at Ivy, I have nothing but amazing things to say about what they offer in terms of resources, volume, breadth, depth, but also the, the abilities that the career management team has to help you pull all that same thing you're saying, Lindsay, about drinking from a fire hose, mm -hmm. take that fire hose, partition it, turn the valve down a little bit and get exactly what you need to be successful in whatever your, your pursuit might be. Oh, that's great. That's, uh, yeah, you, you really captured it quite well there, Phil. And it is, the, the pretty thing I appreciate the most about career managers as well, I would say, is that their support is custom to what you need. It's not a cookie cutter approach. So yes, you both were successful with consulting, but that's not to say they only help those get into consulting or that their resources are only for consultants or bankers. I mean, I know that's a misconception that's out there, but that's not the case. They are really there to guide you, guide you, give you feedback, and then you have to do the work. To your point, they're not going to spoon feed you, feed you and say, hey, here you go. I mean, sure, wouldn't that be nice for a lot of us? <laughs> anyway, but that's just not the way um, any program works. But specifically, they really do help prepare you. They get, We always say the MBA is like, it gives you that tool belt around you, your knowledge and you know, technical concepts and also your soft skills. And that's part of that is the career support. It is that the narrative, holding yourself, your executive presence, networking skills, um, and just your own abilities. And that really does help make you a well-rounded MBA. Now, um, during the first, so, so the, the, the core programming is chosen for you. You've got no choice. If you join the program, you're essentially split over two sections and your schedule is given for you. Your, your um, learning teams are assigned for you. Then the electives begin in September. So over July is when the bidding process begins for signing up for your electives. We are asked a lot of questions around signing up for electives. How did you choose your electives? Um, Kat, do you want to speak to sort of how you approach the elective um, part of the program? Yeah, so I uh, took it as an opportunity to basically go and work on the things that I actually want to work on. Um, so I purposely, and I, I would stress like, 
you can kind of pick whatever method you want. I purposely picked only the things that I would be actually interested in doing. Um, and then of course, with that, um, also like keeping in mind and trying to balance, um, because fall recruiting was going to be for consulting, um, balancing like how I would select those electives against that. Um, there's going to be like courses that are way more popular, way more um, that you're going to have to bid like a lot more for. Um, but I would say like, definitely take the approach of do the things you want to do. Um, I know that there's usually like there was a bunch of feedback that you can get and you can talk to like alumni about, um, you know, which professors are teaching what, but I would say the real, only the real way to like really make the most of it is probably just pick the topics that you actually really want to learn about. Um, you know, it's the last, by then it's like the last stretch of the program. Um, I would say enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good point. It is the last stretch. Of, I, most of the time by September as well, you've got a rhythm of how you prepare for cases. So from what I understand, you know, your prep for class doesn't take quite as long. You kind of that muscle down to how much work and time you need to put into that. Um, also on the career side as well, you've been through all that preliminary work with career management. So you've kind of, you know, got some of those things under your belt that allows you more freedom and time to get involved in other things. Um, the elective offerings are fully listed on our website, so we're not gonna get into the, the details about the courses themselves, but the full listing is there. They're in, they're in five larger buckets, but in general, even if you took all the marketing courses or all the corporate strategy courses, you don't lead with that specialization. You still lead the program for the general MBA. And there, there is that approach of taking, hey, take some things you wanna develop on, or, or again, round out your tool belt, you know, in terms of making sure um, that you are leaving as yourself, that you made the most of your time in the MBA. This may be the last time you're in school, unless you're someone who chronically wants to go back to school in life, but this may be the last time. So, so seize the opportunity to take the courses that are of interest to you. One of the more popular courses, of course, is the international study trip. Um, and uh, that now I'm assuming both or either of you at least participated in the study trip. I was leadership under fire. Oh, leadership under fire. Okay. Okay. And Kat, what about you? I went to South America. <laughs> okay, okay. So Leadership Under Fire, that's actually grateful. Do you wanna speak about your experience on, in that opportunity? Yeah, I, I always struggle to talk about the experience because if anyone's gonna go through it, it right. really ruins high it. High level, very high level vague. Yes, essentially, absolutely. What, essentially what it is, is there's a company that's run by former special ops members of the Canadian Army. And they put you through a four-day pseudo boot camp. Not, I mean, you're not crawling through the mud face down under barbed wire. It's not like that. But they they push you physically and mentally. And, and it's all about teaching you the leadership principles that they've used to be successful and and have phenomenal careers in the, in the Canadian Armed Forces. So the opportunity to, to spend time and learn from people like this is not something that you get the opportunity to do very often. And that's kind of what... Um, pushed me to do leadership under fire. Now, when you're riding on a bus to an undisclosed location at six in the morning and it's minus two and you're scrolling through Instagram and seeing all your friends on rooftop bars in South America, like you're kind of questioning what you're, what you're, what decisions you've made with your life. But, but it turned out to be absolutely amazing. And I made some connections. There's actually, I've been doing a cross Canada road trip all summer. And I met up in Edmonton with one of the guys who was uh, one of the leaders on that program. And so him and I have de developed a bit of a, a relationship where he started mentoring me a little bit. So it's, it's really, really an amazing program and, and something that you, you, my perspective was, I, you know, I had just come from South America before the program. I was doing some backpacking so I could, I could easily go and travel again some other time, but the chance to spend with these, these veterans is, is something that I never, I just didn't anticipate ever getting that opportunity again. And it was, it was phenomenal experience. 
Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, you're right. We don't want to share too much about that because it is an experience on itself. You don't want to give it away. But uh, good to leave a couple of uh, cookie crumbs there to give them an idea of what to expect. Uh, now, Kat, South America, definitely a popular destination. So the options are South America or or China. So you and South America, can you just give us a bit of a, an idea of what your experience was like on that trip? Yeah, it was, I think it was really great. Um, admittedly, it was my first time to South America. So I definitely did it as an opportunity to travel more uh, so, but also kind of viewing it from the lens of, you know, being able to actually go and l- learn and ex- visit all of these businesses um, in Rio, Sao Paulo, um, Lima, we didn't, we didn't get to go to Chile, uh, just because of what was happening there at that time. But um, that's not a like that's not a normal travel trip that I think anyone's ever really going to take. Uh, and if you've if you've never worked um, anywhere else globally, it's a really interesting insight into kind of the different types of work cultures as well as social cultures um, that are in different countries and also like kind of reframes your perspective when you come back to North America and you're working with clients from different places and you a little have a bit more context as to why certain decisions are made a certain way or why do certain places operate a certain way. So I think in retrospect, like despite me picking it definitely more so for, uh, yes, I wanted to travel. Um, I got a lot of, I think I got a lot of the trip that that's just not a trip that you would do as a grown, as a grown adult. Let me go pick 10 businesses to go visit in depth. It's twofold. You know, that you're right. The learning is something you wouldn't get anywhere. I mean, you're visiting organizations that are in there and you're in a different environment understand how they do business, how they communicate. And then you get to also see a different part of the world. So, and, and you get closer to, with your classmates during that trip. And um, traditionally or historically, I should say, it's been, it's been timed where it happens in early December. So then that way, the natural end of the term going into the holiday break. So many would sort of extend their time, whether it's down in South America or those in China, I know, stop by Bali because they figured let's hit the beach before we go back to the snow in Canada. <laughs> I, I totally understand that. Um, so so it, it's, it's a nice way to, you know, learn, uh, uh, you know, just get to know people, understand different ways of business. Of it. So those are two options you can take. Our, those are elective courses. So it is either the Leadership Under Fire course or, t- or participating in the study trip. Um, the, the last thing to note here is there is a chance to go on academic exchange as well. Um, this is for those who either want to have global education or want to continue their global education. We do have 14 different partner so that we, we do have this chance for you to, to go abroad and study at. They are listed on our website as well. And it is the final term. So it is either a January, February start, depending on the institution. And that does mean you graduate a bit later than your peers and kind of the April timeframe. But, you know, there's usually up to about 10 individuals each year who do participate in this. And this is a great chance, again, for those who are just, again, to get a different experience. Um, so that pretty much in a nutshell is the one year. I do want to make a quick note that these pre-IV classes are known as Preparatory Knowledge Program or PKP. Um, again, the, the details are on the website, but did either of you take any of the PKP courses, Phil or Kat? I came back like 24 hours before the... Okay, so no. Okay. <laughs> before the school started. <laughs> okay. And Kat, did you take any of them? No, I did no. not. Okay. okay. So for those who are wondering, they're not mandatory. They're three quant heavy courses intended for those who don't have a quant background or just you're thinking, I would like a bit of a refresh before I go back to school. Um, so on average, a, a good majority do take at least one. They do occur the, directly the 10 days before the first day of the program. 
um, it does kind of get you into that mindset of, of the, uh, the back going back to school. Those are not case taught. Um, the outcome really the one year, I would say, and we touched on this earlier when Phil was talking about the skills that you get from the program beyond sort of the, the technical side of things and the business foundation side, these soft skills that we, we kind of corner as the Ivy leadership essentials. And this really is the outcome of the whole year of educating and learning through cases. You know, this ability to embrace complexity I know I'm sure Phil and Kat can think back to the time when they would see cases for the first time and think, wow, there's a lot of information here. Like, how am I going to make sense of this? What am I going to do? There's key data that's missing. Um, I don't know what, what stance I should take. And that's a skill that over time you get more comfortable with. Is you're not running away from it being complex or challenging. Now you're able to embrace it. Because every day through all your courses, this is something that's going to be thrown at you. And so you've got to sort of adjust quickly and find your way of approaching it. And the other then subsequent step is the bias for action. So that's great. You can embrace complexity and you can make sense of it, but then you have to do something with it. And there's a lot of individuals out there where they're smart and, and they're capable, but the one thing they get stuck on is making a decision. And that is something every class, you are a decision maker. You have to make a decision. Whether you have all the facts or all the details that you want, this is the position you're put in through every case conversation. Part of that too, and you know, Phil noted that there's presentation courses and skills, and that's part of it. I mean, we want you to be a persuasive communicator. It comes through some of the courses, but every day when you think about it, you're communicating with your learning teams, you're communicating with your classmates, you're going to be talking about your narrative with recruiters and alumni. And so the more and more you're communicating, again, you're just really refining it. So though you may come in as great communicators, strong communicators, you definitely will be at an elevated level upon graduation. Maximizing team potential is an opportunity for you that when you graduate and you are in a leadership position to not only be able to work well with others, but also see potential in them. Maybe someone on your team really is strong with marketing, so you're able to leverage that and, and, and help them along the way. And the other side of it, too, is those who maybe have some areas to work on, you know, like a mentorship and helping develop people. Because through the one year, you're going to do a bit of that. Um, there's times when you're going to help with your classmates who are struggling in an area that you're doing really well in and vice versa. And again, going back to your learning teams, there's a lot of teamwork. There's 24-hour, 48-hour reports. Um, in general, with your classes, you do work a lot with each other. So it is being able to recognize the talent and potential in others. And the last one I always say is like my favorite one, the managing volume. It's like, the, I would say kind of like the dark horse of, of these skills is managing volume. If you've not heard it yet or not, this is a busy program. I mean, this is a, a rigorous, it's 16 months of curriculum packed into to 13 months. And, um, you know, our expectations that you get in and you go hard from the beginning. This is not the program that's intended for those who want to sit in the back of the classroom and coast and uh, not contribute and, and not get engaged and not, um, you know, help out others. This is a program where it's like you've got to go in and you've got to give it your all. And there's challenging times through that, but there's parts of the year where, again, it's a bit easier. Your schedule is a bit lighter. You've gotten used to cases. Um, but there's some points of the year where you want to do everything and you can't. I mean, I think at all we can face that reality, even outside the MBA program, but um, during the program, especially there's going to be times where maybe there's multiple events going on or a few different recruiting events and you have to pick what's best. And sometimes too, you just got to pick what's best for you and take care of yourself. But you know, the outcome of the program of the Ivy Leadership Essentials is one of the many reasons why recruiters year over year do rank us the top for talent in Canada. Um, so certainly though, I know at times it's challenging, it's rigorous in the beginning and students think, why is it this way? Why is it so tough? Um, it is intentional and it does work out for you in the end. So that's a lot of the technical and more structured side to the program. I want to pivot now to more about who is the profile of an MBA. Um, we've got Kat and Phil who are, who are definitely come from 
some different backgrounds and, and also where, what their, their styles are, their personalities and, um, and their communication. They're all, everyone's got their own way to it. And that's what we look for. We like diversity in thinking. We like diversity where you've been, what you've been up to, where you want to go. Because, you know, we're, when you're in the classroom learning from others, that's a really cool thing is, is hearing different perspectives. It does help, it help broaden your own perspective. Year over year, um, these stats tend to be consistent, um, but basically you can see roughly about 65 to 35 of males to females in the classroom. Um, a lot of different diversity in terms of passports and birth countries. Our average age tends to have around 28. The year's experience tends to always be between four and five years, to be honest. We are a bit more of a mature program that way. We do want to make sure that you have enough years of quality work experience that you can contribute effectively in the classroom because that's really what's of utmost importance for us. Part of the Ivy MBA fit is student life and um, social activities. I know you both can speak to this in terms of your activities during, during the year. Phil, do you want to kick it off with what you're involved in during the MBA in terms of the social side? Yeah, um, so I was a member of the MBAA, which is basically our student association. I was a social coordinator for Section 2. Uh, I joined probably a handful of clubs in different areas that were interesting to me. I uh, managed to get involved with some of the uh, outreach type stuff, like what we're doing right now, talking with prospective students and being a buddy for incoming uh, students. I played, I don't know, three seasons of beach volleyball, water polo, hockey. Wow. We had a pickup hockey group that played every Sunday. And I, I mean, I could list off all kinds of stuff. Any, anyone that says that you don't have time to, to enjoy your experience yeah. as well as, you know, maybe just needs to understand that as long as you understand what your priorities are and you're able to sort of triage your time, depending on what's most important to you at that time. And sometimes it is just mental well-being, and you need to go out with your friends and blow off some steam and, 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 it, you know, accept the fact that you're not going to have as much case prep done for the next day as you would have liked. And that, and that's equally beneficial. So there, there's tons and tons of opportunities to do what you want to do. And there's, and there is time to do it as long as you can be effective with your time and, and understand your own personal priorities. Yeah, I would echo that completely in terms of the fact that you, you do need to be able to be social. It's a great way to vent off stress, mental well-being, um, just camaraderie, right? You're most of the people are moving to London for, um, for the programming. There are some locals, but for the most part, 95%, I would say are coming into London and it being a non-commuter program and it being, smaller in size, you know, there's, there's a great chance to get together and, and have friendships during the program. So we, and this is part of the fit, you know, we're not looking for those who just, again, want to go to school and leave and like be alone. You can have your own alone time. Absolutely. But getting involved with others really is part of the MBA experience. Now, Kat, what was your experience with clubs? Which ones were you involved in? Yeah, so um, I was part of the um, MBA Social Impact Senators, so we planned a lot of the volunteerism um, work as well as kind of started some new initiatives that uh, were meant to be uh, working with nonprofits in, in the London area. Um, definitely participated in some clubs, also served as an ambassador, um, uh, like kind of linking like with the previous years or with the incoming buddies. Um, worked on a few other kind of like women initiatives uh, with the school and faculty. Uh, definitely echo the sentiments of uh, Phil. I may not have played as many um, uh, intramural sports as you. That's quite <laughs> a high number. Uh, I probably did the one season of volleyball, but I would definitely say like, um, you know, part of the value of doing this MBA in kind of a weird secluded area is to make 
to these friends that you take with you for life. Um, there's very few people I know, even like Ivy alumni that don't leave Ivy without having a friend who pops up as like their best man or bridesmaid mm-hmm. at their like future um, wedding. So it's, you know, I would say like definitely embrace that opportunity um, when you kind of like come on campus and or like through your kind of learning teams, you will, you will build those bonds and those bonds are going to be bonds you're going to take with you for the rest of your life. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. They, there are lifelong friendships and I have uh, heard as well, Kat, about bridesmaids and best men and uh, just in general going to weddings, you know? Um, So I know a couple this past year that graduated, they were supposed to have their wedding. And of course it was, it was, it didn't happen due to COVID, but there was, I think over 65 MBA of your classmates going to that schedule to go to that wedding. I thought, Oh oh my gosh, that's incredible. It's like a mini Ivy wedding. So, um, Um, yeah, so it's great. So it is important that you're social. There's lots of activities. There's there's um, professional clubs that are more, again, like consulting and finance and marketing, et cetera, as also more of the social clubs. And then there's just organic get-togethers. There was a run club, I thought, every Sunday. I'm like, meet at Starbucks and go for a run. There was yoga in the courtyard. So yeah, and then again, all the um, sport recreations you can do. So lots of opportunities to get engaged if you if you want to. Um, certainly, that's, that's there for you. Now, Part, again, we talked about before with the MBA side is like the whole career part, where you want to go. So I always want to make sure we touch on this because it is a big part of the MBA decision. Um, and, and certainly there is a lot of stress around that also when you apply is that do I need to have the same career I have in mind at the time of my application to where I actually pursue during the program? Like when you both joined the program, and I think Phil, you'd mentioned this, that you knew you wanted to go into consulting. Is that, is that? Uh, not necessarily consulting. Okay. My perspective was I was working in a really, really big company mm-hmm. and just the way that the HR policies and, and things were structured, it just takes so long to move around between the different functional groups. And so mm-hmm. my perspective was by the time I get experience in marketing, engineering, supply chain, finance, blah, you know, on and on and on, I'm going to be ready to retire, not look for an opportunity in senior management or senior leadership. So I wanted an opportunity where I could take that 25 years of experience and condense it into, not to say that it's the same amount, but get that exposure, I should say, in a a much shorter period of time. So to me, that could be working as an investment banker and doing deals in all different types of industries with different companies. It could be a consultant. It could be internal consulting. It could be a rotational development program. So there's a lot of avenues. I knew more on a general sense what I was looking for. And then okay. consulting really fits the bill. And then mm-hmm. that's sort of what ended up being really interesting to me. And that's where I ended up. Okay. Now, Kat, with you as well, did you find that when you completed your application with us, your career goals at that time, was that, did that, they, they change it all? Or did you consider changing it all? Or did it end up being where you are now? Um, so I, I came into the program knowing pretty specifically what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And, and like even looking at the IB, NBA, like if I was going to Ivy, this was the career path. And if I had chosen right. somewhere else, it was a different career path. Um, I landed exactly kind of where I wanted to be, which um, I'm really happy about. Um, but I, I do encourage, like I would say, like throughout that process um, for career management, I really kind of like grew my ambitions a little bigger in the sense that I started dreaming bigger about the roles that I actually wanted to do. Um, But luckily, like, maybe not luckily, but I I think I chose to like focus and kind of put other opportunities like wanting to work at like Nike or wanting to work um, super high up at like creative arts agency. I just kind of left that for now on the back burner as like things that I might revisit later. Um, But admittedly, like before joining the NBA, those, those types of roles just never really felt in reach. Like they're kind of weird 
pipe dreams that you might do. Um, I would say throughout the process and like even learning about how would I go about, um, you know, meeting someone at Nike to start that conversation would love to land in your product management department. Um, that became a very real thing all of a sudden. So, okay. Did you find for, for both of you, um, the event of get connected, which I'll give our, our, I guess, uh, attendees a bit of idea of that's a three day event. Um, that happens um, usually in Toronto where you're engaging with alumni and corporate partners um, over these three days. You don't necessarily leave the job offer, but you leave having, you know, uh, connected with alumni and corporate partners. And the hope is that you've got a clear picture of who's out there, what they're looking for. You've also let them know who you are and your interests. Um, did, did Get Connected help either of you at all in terms of with whether building the a network or, again, helping you go further down that path of career interest? Yeah, I, I can speak to that. I, I actually think one of the coolest things about Get Connected is that it, it provides you with an opportunity to achieve whatever you want to achieve or whatever you need where you are in your journey at the time. So when you say, did you leave Get Connected with all these industry contacts and all these things? I didn't leave with a single one, but that's not what I was after. I came from an engineering background where I didn't even know what networking was. I didn't know how to work a room. I didn't know what it meant to go to an info session and chat with people after and and that was a skill that i was trying to hone and and figure out how that looks so that's when i came away from from get connected i felt so much more comfortable about the prospect of reaching out to somebody and going to grab a coffee and shoot the breeze with them about a position and you know how to approach those types of conversations and how to go through those events and that's exactly what i was looking for and that's what i got out of get connected and then i have other friends that were they wanted to just narrow down what industry they're interested in and they could achieve that. There were other people that said, I already know what companies I want to get into. I want to meet some people at those companies. They achieve that. So that, that to me, that's the coolest thing about get connected is, is if you know what you're looking for, you can achieve it while you're there. And that's, that's kind of the perspective that I took. Yeah. It's really what you make of it because it's a series of networking events, mock interviews, how I got your panels, info sessions, uh, but it, it does give you an opportunity to, to say, okay, I want to go, I want to, here's my goal of this, right? And, and so to make that um, sort of happen in the outcome. Now for, for you, Kat, how was your experience of Get Connected? Um, I would say like in a similar sense, um, I think I definitely kind of got what I was looking for, which was definitely to connect with some individuals at certain places that I was very interested in potentially talking about recruiting with. Um, definitely had that unfold. I also learned about a few um, places that I was curious about that, you know, I never necessarily thought I would mm -hmm. see myself in a career, but it really kind of coming back to like opening and expanding that scope of like things that I would think maybe I would be interested in doing. Um, it definitely opened that conversation for that. Um, I agree with kind of like Phil's sentiment, which is it really is what you make of it. Like you can leave there without meeting anyone and still feel that um, it was very, very, um, like very, very valuable as an experience. And it, I think it's a really important, um, I think it's really important that you kind of set like a loose goal of what you want to get out of it when you yes. get into that get into um get connected um don't be discouraged like if especially if like your goal is like oh i want to land an interview like that's probably maybe not realistic but it's also <laughs> happened for some people yeah. like you know through not networking they'll all of a sudden kind of serendipitously fall into mm -hmm. um job offers for some reason so it is possible um but if you have kind of an idea you're you'll probably manage your expectations of what you want from there yeah. a lot better it's essentially the way I know career management would always phrase it as like the way that we they let the market get to know the students. They try to hold off the market from getting too close to you prior to that, just giving you that March to May to 
get your bearings with case methodology learning, go through the career support. But that's a great event where they like to sort of kind of let the market see who, who the MBA students are at that time. And then from there forward, any connection started or just from there, usually full-time recruiting will kick off. Um, and then full-time recruiting really is from that point forward uh, until graduation and beyond. But there's sort of two major, major waves. Like there's like for the campus recruiting umbrella, which is really July to sort of end of October. And then the second wave picks up more in that January timeframe, which is called real-time or just-in-time recruiting. And that's sort of, again, from January to, to March timeframe. So I'm assuming with Deloitte and Bain, both of you were part of that first umbrella wave of recruiting. Am I accurate with that assumption? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so you were, you were the fortunate ones that come Christmas holidays, you, were, you knew where you were going and what you were doing, and you could just use the rest of your time to do what you want to do with it. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's not a bad outcome, that's for sure. So, uh, so you can see here on the screen, you know, again, this is sort of a rough break. This is the breakdown based on the 2019 class of where they went with, with, with their careers. But what's of utmost importance, and we always want to stress this, no matter what the, the current placement report shows, is where the alumni are. And that's the whole point of an MBA in general is you may come in with a clear idea um, where you want to go. You may not really know where you want to go. But know that your career when you graduate is just the first of likely many and that your MBA is really all about that progression. So as you can see here, all the color changes are, are great from where alumni are um, versus when they were when they first graduated. Um, and a key thing to also know that, yes, we are in London and yes, we, we're a smaller size city, but most of our students year over year end up in Toronto. So you know, you don't need to be in the city that you want to work in to be successful with that. Um, whether you want to go out west, you want to go, um, you know, out east, whatever it may be, um, that the, the our, our corporate partners are happy to recruit with us, um, no matter where they are coming from. So know that you don't have to be in Toronto to be successful with the career. Year over year, we have higher placement than a lot of our uh, competitors who are located in Toronto. So again, you know, you don't need to be down the street from someone to, in order to have a coffee with them. Classes are done around one. You can drive to Toronto. There's yeah, bus, there's trains, there's someone I'm sure in the class you can buy a coffee for and they'll take you down to Toronto or there's even planes should you wish. So lots of ways to get to Toronto or otherwise. Um, so no, don't let the location ever be a deterrent for you with, with selecting your MBA program. So before we wrap it up and uh, open up to some live Q&A with Kat and Phil, hopefully everyone here has got some questions after hearing some of their experiences. Um, I just want to sort of do, uh, highlight a couple of things. So one is, if this is one of your first interactions and you're learning about the Ivy MBA program, one of the first steps we always recommend you do is submit your resume for an assessment. It's really easy. You don't need to change the format. Um, as it is, just upload it. And a member of our team will get back to you within about three to five business days. We're either going to say to you, hey, you've got some potential based on what we see, or perhaps you have just a bit more than that 10 years work experience, or you're just shy of that minimum two-year mark. Um, but that's that's pretty much what we're going to be kind of getting back to you and let you know if we think that you should move forward with considering us as one of your MBA schools. Um, we appreciate you tuning in for this experience. We have lots of other experiences um, live on demand. So do check out the website for more of those. We've recently got into a lot of podcasts as well. So by all means, if you're out for you know, your run or you're doing some things and you don't want to have to actually be you know watching the screen anymore, taking a break away from the screen. Uh, we do have some podcasts to help you. Everything from application support, those for international students specifically, how to finance your MBA. Um, there's a lot of great, great content there. So we do recommend you take a listen as well. So right now is a fun time of year. We have both applications open. So we have our final deadline for our March intake of 2021. 
It does close on January 4th. This, of course, is only for those who are living in Canada who have a permanent residency or are Canadian citizens. Um, for international um, interests, unfortunately, that deadline passed back in September. Um, for those who are thinking, hey, I want to have a long run for my MBA decision, good for you. You've got lots of time. So you can certainly apply at any point. Our first application deadline is January 18th, and they are rolling admissions deadlines um, throughout the remainder of the year. And of course, um, please do feel free to engage with us either on Instagram or on Facebook. Again, there's some great, um, uh, you get to get some more of the insider's view as well, especially the Instagram account, you see what the current students are doing. So we do recommend that you engage with us through those forums as well. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the full-time Ivy MBA program, visit our website at www.ivmba.ca or email your questions to our recruiting and admissions team at mba at ivy.ca.